Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come and sing and applaud you and your incredible eternal work of redemption through your son, Jesus Christ. The fact that you sent your one and only son to live the life we couldn't, to die the death I owed, to save us from the enemy we couldn't defeat, and to set us free that we don't, we're not slaves to sin, we're not stuck on stupid, but we can serve our Savior. And so I pray this morning, I admit I've got nothing to offer of any value to your body. And so as I open up your word, I pray your spirit would fill me and I might speak your truth that your children, your sheep might be strengthened and served and encouraged and equipped so that we might shine as a light in a dark world. I pray for those who are here who don't know you yet. I pray that the gospel, the good news of your work through your son, um, might become super clear, that they might see and respond, that you might be about the work of changing their hearts and changing them. So Father, I, I pray you'd work in this time for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's great to see y'all. Welcome, first off, uh, to first-timers, newcomers, if it's your first time here, I just want to welcome you. You found yourself at Hillside Fellowship, and we believe Jesus changes everything, that historically in the past he has changed everything. Currently he is changing everything. He's, he's changing us. If you've placed your faith in him, he does this, this long, steady work of making us look more like Jesus, so we love more like Jesus. And eternally in the future, he's going to change everything and make it new. And so at Hillside, we just live in light of that reality, and we rejoice in that reality. And so my name is Dave. Uh, if you've never been here before, um, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic, and I've been saved by grace, and it's my honor and my joy and incredibly humbling every week just to get up and open God's Word uh, so that we might know the truth in a world of lies, and our, our lives might align with that truth. So we've been walking through the book of Genesis. If you got your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 16. We've got an epic story this morning. Man, I forgot my readers again. Anybody got 1.5s? You laugh. I wish I could see you. Oh, they are. I'm so old. Oh, my goodness. I used to watch my mom and dad watch. I used to watch them do this. And I used to be like, what, hap what happened to y'all? What happened to your brain? Kids do it. Kids do it to you. Ah. <laughs> They're on the back of your head. That's brilliant. All right. Back to the scriptures, Genesis chapter 16. I'm almost 50 and it's, it's catching up. I'm just going to read from verse 7 down to verse 14 because 1 through 6 is kind of rated R. And so if you haven't had the talk with your kids, you got your kids here, I want to give you a few minutes. That's your warning. Because the Bible's astounding. It, it doesn't sugarcoat anything, you know. I mean, it just lays it out there. Uh, there's a lot of it that's rated R. And we just walk through the Bible um, and enjoy it together. So watch this. Uh, verse 7, it's going to talk about Hagar. And it says this, verse 7, Now the angel of the Lord, this is Jesus, shows up and he found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And the angel of the Lord said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And Hagar said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my, my mistress, my owner, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, return to Sarai and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, 
I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Ishmael is going to be a wild donkey of a man. See Middle East conflict. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of all his brothers. Then Hagar called the name uh, of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. For she said, have I even remained alive here after seeing him? Therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bered. Now, if you've been with us, you know uh, we've been looking at the reality in Genesis that God is writing a story. He's writing and directing a story, and he's inviting us to be part of his story. The Bible begins in Genesis with this, in the beginning, God. It's all about him. It's all his. It's his story. He's directing the story. He's writing the story. That's messed up. If I sit down on that, I'm going to, there we go. I don't know what happened here. Let me fix, let me try to fix, I'm sorry. Yeah, let Lupe, you know I'm stuck. Boom. God's writing and directing a story. He's inviting us to be part of it. Now, humans are interesting because we've twisted this and said, we want God to bless our story. I want to be successful. I want to be pretty. I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. God bless my story. He, he just kind of says, your stories are too small. They're not eternal. They're not big enough to fill eternity. How about you join my story and, and I'll bless my story. And if you're part of my story, you'll be blessed as a result of that. So that's Genesis. God's writing and directing the story. He's inviting you to be part of it. So most times in our life, if we're expecting God to bless our story, we're going to be frustrated. Because he's just not going to give us something that's not good for us. Now, as we've walked through Genesis, uh, we've seen that our God is so good. He doesn't give grace. He doesn't give good gifts to those who deserve it and earn it. He actually gives grace to those who haven't earned it. They haven't deserved it. In fact, often they're stubborn and hard-hearted. And we're going to see that today. And so before we jump into this passage, let me give you some big, a big theological idea so you can hang some thoughts on it. If you read straight through the scriptures, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, you would leave with this understanding of our God. Our God is, I think the theological term would be omniscient. I just, for my kids, I say God's super duper smart. He knows everything. Everything that was, is, will be, everything that wasn't, won't be, can't be, everything that should be, shouldn't be. He knows it all. He's like uh, Dr. Strange where he, he figured out that one way in the end game where everything could work out. God's like that except times a Googleplex. He's just incredible, super duper smart. So it makes sense that we would go to him and ask him for wisdom, does it not? Because he knows everything. Now, if you read straight through the Bible, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the small theological picture that you would get is this. Sin is really stupid. Now, nobody said amen. In fact, I wish you could be up here to see faces. That's kind of offensive. He said stupid. I don't say stupid. In fact, I've told my kids not to say stupid. Now he's hurt my feelings. Ends up God isn't really interested in sparing your feelings. He'd much rather hurt your feelings than hurt your future. 
watch, uh, let me show you biblically where I get this. Pull up Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 21. I'm going to show you. I'm just using biblical words. Sin is stupid. Here's what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 21. You can look it up. For the shepherds, that's the pastors of Israel, the shepherds have become, say it out loud, stupid. stupid. Do you know pastors can be stupid? What makes a pastor stupid according to the Bible? Well, they've not sought the Lord. They didn't go and ask God, what's your plan, what's your story, and how do I align with it? And when a pastor doesn't ask for wisdom, that pastor's stupid. Now, wait, it's not just pastors. Watch Jeremiah chapter 51. Go ahead and pull it up. You go to Jeremiah 51 verse 17. All mankind is stupid. Well, what makes a person stupid? Well, the goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful. There's no breath in them. It's stupid to worship created things rather than the creator God who is blessed forever. It's literally stupid. And I want myself to be somebody that calls sin stupid. Sin is stupid. It's senseless. And I want my children to understand when they run into sin, I want them to say, sin is stupid. Now, the Bible also tells good news that Jesus, the altogether smart one, entered this stupid world that's worshiping and serving created things rather than the creator God. And by grace, he lived the life we couldn't. He died the death we owed. He conquered the grave. He rose again. And now he will give us new life. He'll come to live in us and move us from stupid insanity to saneness. That's what Jesus does, allows us to walk in the light. What we've been looking at in Genesis is how do we live, love, and lead in a world that is postmodern? There's no absolute truth. You can't tell me what's right and wrong. How do we live, love, and lead in a world uh, of secular humanism? There is no God. We are now our own gods, and we can figure it out. How do we live, love, and lead? How do we lead our families? How do we lead our kids, our grandkids, uh, in a world of moral relativism? where nobody can tell you what's right and wrong. You have to figure that out for yourself. One of the best ways, y'all, that we can live, love, and lead in this crazy world we've found ourselves in is simply stopping stupid before it starts. Literally, to stop stupid in my own life before it starts so that our lives might shine as a light. Every choice has a consequence, this world's going to make choices that are crazy, and there's going to be consequences. And what the world needs to see, well, Peter says it, Jesus says it, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good deeds. And what stupid does is it stops you from shining as a light. Today, I'm going to show you, we all have problems. We all have stuck points in our life. I'm going to show you stupid starts small, stupid spreads, stupid always brings with it suffering. And we need a savior to save us from our stupid. And so I, I changed it up a little bit. I think on your notes, it's we all have problems. Uh, we all come up with a plan. Our plans typically bring pain, and we need a, a provision for our problems. So I'm probably going to shift between P and S's in my outline. I've got two outlines, and it'll be super fun. You get two for the price of one. <laughs> let's jump in. Let's see uh, uh, Sarah's problem. Um, and let's start out here. I'm going to ask you, how many of you have problems, be they big problems, little problems, relational problems, work problems? Okay, all of you. So all of you got HOAs. This is awesome. Watch this. <laughs> Genesis chapters. I, that came out. There's a lady driving around her neighborhood. Whenever they're driving around snapping shots, you know you're going to get the letter. And it's like, Lord, not again. Save us. 
Save us from our stupidity. Watch this. Here's the problem. Here's what happens. And bless you who don't have HOAs. You guys, truly blessed among women. Uh, Genesis 16.1. Let's watch the problem. I'm going to show you. Stupid starts small. Stupid starts really small. Genesis 16.1 says this. 16.1. Let me just read it to you. Here's the problem. And this text flows in four simple ways. You see the problem? Sarah has a problem. She comes up with a plan. We all come up with a plan. We got different plans. That plan brings pain, and we need a provision. Watch. Here's the problem. Now, Sarah, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Problem? Yeah, huge problem because God had made a promise. Remember, we've got a huge sin problem. God had promised a savior. It was going to come through Abraham and Sarah. God said, I'm going to give you a child. You're going to be a father of multitudes. It's all going to be good. They've now been in the land 10 years. Have any of you waited 10 years for something? How so? You're only 11. (laughs) But it's still a possibility, and I believe you, baby girl. She's there 10 years, and she's got a problem. She's got no baby. She's been waiting for a baby, so there's a huge, huge problem. Now, the problem with problems is they're problematic, and they tend to take up a lot of headspace, don't they? When you've got a problem, it just sits there. And the problem with problems is they're painful because there's something you want. It's being withheld, so you've got a problem. The problem with problems is, number three, they're promised. You know this in in the Bible. Don't don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal among you. In fact, Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems. They're promised. And the fourth problem with problems is they're purposeful. God tends to use problems to squeeze stupid to the surface in my life. Problems are purposeful. Don't think your problem is accidental by any means. Your problem is purposeful. It's kind of the vice that God uses to squeeze stupid to the surface. Now, here's what you need to know, though, and what I would have you write down on chapter 16, verse 1. Stupid always starts small, and by stupid I mean sin. Always starts small. It tends to start with a thought, an idea. This is how Velcro almost ruined my life. It was 1979, 1980. Velcro was just coming onto the scene. My grandparents came up from San Diego, and they decided at five five years old, it was time to teach little Dave how to tie his shoes. And so they sat me down, said, Dave, we've got to teach you how to tie your shoes. Anybody remember learning how to tie your shoes? See, in the, in the 70s and 80s, it came with this really long narrative, super long story you had to memorize about a rabbit. <laughs> and as if tying your shoes isn't hard enough, you had to remember the rabbit ears and the rabbit, and apparently the rabbit, had, and Roger, would, he would loop, and he would swoop, and he would dive, and he would jump into a hole, and he would go around, and he, I couldn't remember it. I could, my grandparents finally gave up. They're like, you know what? This one is not going to get it. So they got me a pair of Velcro. And I remember at five years old, the first time, I put on my own shoes, yo. And a thought entered my head, and I remember it as clear as it was yesterday. 
I don't need mom and dad anymore. I got this. All these rules about no watching TV, no playing Atari, no sugar, no candy. And I began to plan to move out at five. I got this. See, stupid starts with a single thought. It happened to me this last week. Stupid starts small. It starts with a thought. I, on uh, uh, early during the week, I go and order pizza for Saturday night. I went and ordered pizza, Papa John's down by HEB off 46. Anybody been there? Do you know what store is right next to Papa John's? What is it? Say it out loud. Oh, how do you guys know it was the liquor store? That was a trick question. You guys, have I been with you so long you don't know trick questions? It is, it's a liquor store. So I got done ordering the pizza, got in the car, I'm driving out and a thought enters my mind as I'm driving by the liquor store because I just glanced. It wasn't a long glance. See, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I know better than that. But I glanced and I saw a bottle of Jack Daniels and that happens to be my weakness. And a thought entered my mind. It was, quote, mmm, that's good. Just a thought. It's not a big deal. It's not like I actually imbibed liquor. It's not like I relapsed. But what I've learned is stupid starts small and relapse starts way before the actual drink. And if I let that stupid thought stay, I can guarantee you where I'll be in two months. I will be drinking. You see, stupid starts small. I think this is why Paul would say, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we're taking every thought captive because stupid really does start small. And some of us are playing with stupid today. It's just a thought. It's just a fantasy. It's just an idea. It's not a big deal. But Solomon would say, as we think, so we are. So Sarah starts out, she had a problem and stupid starts small. It starts with a thought. Let's see her plan because we all come up with a plan for our problems. Every single one of us, we do. Fight, flight, freeze, frenzy, right? Fight, Fight fire with fire, that's your common phrase. Flee, live to fight another day. But we all come up with a plan, frenzy. What's the worst that could happen? Let's try it. I think that's what Sarah takes. Watch this, here's her plan. So, so Sarah said to Abram, here's her plan, watch this. Stupid starts small, but stupid always spreads. Do you know that? It always spreads. Sin Stupid sin never stays in isolation. Watch this. So Sarah said to Abram, here's a brilliant idea. Now behold, Abram, the Lord's prevented me from having children or from bearing children. Is that true? No, God's got a plan for it. It just wasn't time yet. She wasn't being very patient. Stupid starts small and watch how it spreads. Please, Abram, go into my maid, Hagar. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. Now this is culturally acceptable at the time. Because Hagar was not a person, she was property. And as property, any children born to her are Sarah's. So Sarah comes up with a, perf Sarah comes up with a perfect plan. Abraham plus Hagar equals baby, baby's mine, problem solved. What could go wrong? <laughs> right? What could go wrong? We're doing something. Well, watch this. It gets even better. Watch how stupid spreads. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. Now, I don't know how this conversation goes, but Sarai comes in and is like, hey, I had an idea. How about you, boogie woogie with Hagar? Baby will be mine. And Abraham goes, oh, that's a great idea, baby. 
that's a, man, that's the best one today. Let's do that. Okay. Watch, watch verse 3. After Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abraham's wife Sarai took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, gave her to a, her husband, uh, Abraham, as his wife. Now we've got sister wives going on. It never works out. But this is how stupid spreads. You see, stupid starts small, just a thought, just an idea, but it always spreads. And it spreads because we can't solve our own problems. And when we seek to use other people to solve our problems, stupid spreads in the community. It's called using people. Have any of you ever been used? Have any of you ever used someone else to solve your problems? Really, 12 of us. <laughs> hmm? This is just called our culture. We, we view people as pawns to be used, call it narcissism, call it personality disorder, call it coping mechanisms. I just call it stupid sin. People are not pawns to be used, they're image bearers to be loved. And many of us right now are playing with stupid and we're seeking to figure out how to use people to meet our needs. It's truly sick. This is how sin and stupid, it's like a rash. Anybody ever had a rash? A really bad rash? I had one last summer. That shingles, that rash spread. Rashes always start small, but then they spread and they get bigger and more irritating. This is what sin does. It starts small. It's just an idea. What could go wrong? It's just a thought. And then it spreads. This is why I think Solomon would say in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it always ends in death. It, it just never works out. That's why Jesus says, come to me with your problems. Don't try and use other people to solve your problems. So there's the story. We've got the problem. We've got Sarai's plan. Abram plus Hagar equals baby, my baby, problem solved. Now, let's see the pain that ensues. You see, stupid starts small, but stupid always spreads. And that, those, those thoughts, those ideas you're playing with and beginning to use other people to meet your needs, it always brings suffering. Watch, verse 4. Well, he went into Hagar and she conceived, and here comes the problem. Get ready for it. You ready? When she, Hagar, saw that she had conceived, her mistress, Sarai, was despised in her sight. Let me culturally walk you through what's happening here. Again, Hagar was not a person. She was property. As property, she couldn't look her masters in the eye. So she was, she was always to humble herself. But when she was used as a baby oven for Sarai, now she's pregnant, and now she's walking around too big for her britches. Somebody's got a baby, and somebody don't. And she began to look Sarai in the eye. You see, your plan, whatever it is, that stupid thought that's spreading will never work out like you think it will. When you're trying to direct your own story, that works as long as everybody else plays their part, as long as everybody else plays their role. But people don't play their part and play their role, do they? And so all of a sudden, Hagar's despising Sarai, 
and the power dynamic had shifted. Watch, watch verse 5. Well, Sarai said to Abraham, this is so good. I got to sit down for this. Watch this. And Sarai said to Abraham, so I don't know what this conversation was like, but she busts into Abraham's tent. May the wrong done me be upon you, bro. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between me and you. How could you do this, Abram? (laughs) It's all your fault. You're to blame from this. Make it right, buddy. Now, for husbands, you begin to realize everything really is your fault, amen? Amen. We just own that. It's called leadership. When something goes wrong, whose fault is it? It's daddy's. It's mine. And we just own that. But isn't it interesting because stupid starts small, stupid spreads, and stupid always brings suffering. But when the suffering comes, we tend to switch the blame. We've got to, it's not my fault. I'm not dumb enough to do something like this. The stupid isn't my fault. It's got to be somebody's fault. And we start pointing shame and blame somewhere. Anybody ever done that? You're writing your own story, it doesn't work out, and all of a sudden, yeah, this is just part of my recovery as an addict. It's everyone else's fault. It's not the fault, it's not my fault. It's everybody else's fault. So Sarah jumps in, but praise God, we've got Abraham, Abram, a mature man. He'll make it right, won't he? Watch what he says, watch what he says. Verse six, Abraham said to Sarai, behold, baby girl, your maid is in your power. The English cleans this up so much. This is all in Your maid, your property is still in your hand. You can crush her. She's nothing. Do to her what is good in your sight. Baby girl, go kick the dog. It'll make you feel better. Crush her. She ain't nothing. That's Abram's response. He gets blamed, and what does he do? Just shifts it. Go, go bust her up. What does Sarai do? Sarah treated Hagar harshly. Literally, she beat her down. This is the same word used where the, in Exodus where the Egyptians beat the Israelites. So now, I told you, stupid starts small. Quit playing with stupid. Today's a day to repent. Today's a day to say, no, stupid starts small, but it spreads and it will destroy your life. It will destroy everything about you. And stupid will always bring suffering to your family, to your marriage, to your community, to your county, to your city, and to your country. Today's a day to repent. Stop playing with stupid. It spreads. It brings suffering. Quit pretending like it's somebody else's fault. Quit pointing at other people's faults, flaws, and failures and just own it. You see, at this point, this is an epic mess. We have got an episode of Jerry Springer going on here. Anybody ever seen Jerry Springer? Show of hands. Honest hands. Honest. Watched any clip of it on YouTube? Okay. It's an epic match. We watch it because it's a train wreck, because stupid has gone on so long and it's spread. And you got these trailer park fights and you got paternity tests and you got the ding dong that, that the doorbell rings and they bring some new chaos and confusion into it. Can you believe chapter 16 of Genesis is in the Bible? 
This is in the Bible. Why is this here? If I was a non-believer, if I was a non-Christian, I know some of you here are non-Christians and, and you're nodding your head like, this is why I can't believe the Bible. It's an epic mess. It is like reading uh, or watching an episode of Jerry Springer. You want me to believe in a God who uses people like Abraham and Sarai? Y yes. In fact, if I had an hour with you, I'd, I would show you just from your statement, I think you believe the Bible is about us being good people. I think you believe that the Bible is about us being moral. I think you believe the Bible is about us being virtuous. The Bible is about none of those things. In fact, it says none of us are moral, none of us are virtuous, none of us are righteous. We are all an epic Jerry Springer episode, amen? amen? Thank you. Some of us cover it up very well, especially in the South. We're okay. That's why we have a gate to our subdivision and a gate to our house so that nobody can see our Jerry Springer episode. Is it not? We all have problems. We all have a mess. Um, the wages of sin is death. It's what it produces in all of our lives. Emotional death, relational death, physical death, spiritual death. And God's got a plan for it. See, the Bible isn't about us. It is about Jesus. If you're hearing you're not a Christian, there's one thing you need to hear. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. Christ will give you eternal life. He'll take all of your sin. He'll take your Jerry Springer episode. He died for it. And he'll give you all of his righteousness. It's called the gospel. That's why we generally gather and are in a good mood because Jesus paid it all. Jesus did it all. And the Bible is about Jesus because he's the hero. Now, watch the provision in the last uh, uh, one minute because what happens here, sin starts small, stupid starts small, sin spreads Sin brings suffering, and sin, sin and stupid get us stuck on stupid. Have you known anybody stuck on stupid? You do the same thing over and over and over. You expect a different result. That's just called being stuck on stupid. Many of us are stuck on stupid, and we don't know how to change. In fact, I, just, I call it my Las Vegas principle. How many of you have been to Las Vegas? Oh, my goodness. I think this side has been more than this side. How many of you on this side? Oh my goodness, no. No, 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 no. Oh, we need the gospel. Oh, you know they call it Sin City, right? Oh goodness, I did not, I started to sweat once I saw that. So many of you on the left side. Clearly the left side needs a lot more help than the right side. <sighs> okay, well, now my mind's glitching. Honestly, how many of you have been? Oh my goodness, the whole room, the whole room. Well, then you, on camera, it was everybody, everybody. And so uh, the, the Las Vegas principle goes, if you're playing Texas Hold'em or something, and, and, and you bluff, right? You want the table to think you've got better cards than you have, so you bluff, you put in a, a big bet. At some point, the scale shifts, and, and it's what we call in the gambling world being pot committed. Anybody, ever, you get pot committed? You, in business, you call it sunk costs. You've got so much in that you've got to play this out. At this point in the story, stupid starts small, stupid spreads, stupid brings uh, uh, suffering, but you're pot committed. Uh, Hagar's pregnant. 
There's no unwinding this ball of yarn. You're, they are pot committed and they need a savior. Watch what happens here. Verse seven. Now the angel of the Lord found, this is Jesus. Jesus shows up. It, there's a definite article. The angel of the Lord. And this angel of the Lord begins to speak like he's God. And he speaks like he's God because he is God. Pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus shows up, finds Hagar, the slave, the one who has no value, no position, isn't even seen as a person, the one who is used, abused, and victimized. Jesus goes and finds her and says to her, by a spring of water and sure, verse eight, he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my owner, my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Go back into the pain. That's hard to swallow, isn't it? M most of us try to spend our life getting out of the pain. If there's something bad happening, how do I get out? Jesus comes and goes, hey, I've got a promise for you, but that promise, the one way to obtain that promise is through the pain, not around it, not over it, not under it. I need you to walk through the pain. It's the one way. It's the end game. It's the one way this is going to work, Sarah, or else you're going to die and you'll never get the promise. Go back to the abuse. That's hard. Can you handle a God that, that says go back to the abuse because it's the one way through pain that you're going to obtain the promise? God knows the best. He's got a good plan for you. That plan is through the pain, not around the pain. Watch this, verse nine. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit to her authority. Verse 10, moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. Hagar, I've got a plan for you. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you're with child, you'll bear a son, you shall call his name Ishmael. God hears. Hagar, God's heard your cries. I know you're an Egyptian, you're outside the promised line, but God's heard you. He's, he knows he knows you because the Lord's given heed to your affliction. Verse 12, Ishmael will be a wild donkey of a man. It's gonna be crazy. This cat's gonna be crazy. That's why when I read it at first, I said, see, uh, Arab-Israeli conflict comes from right here. Please know this. Stupid starts small, but stupid spreads and can have generational consequence. Everything I've grown up with in this Middle East, Israeli, Arab conflict began right here. Two brothers. His hand will be against everyone. Everyone's hand will be against him. He will live to the east of all his brothers. Then she called the name of, of the Lord who spoke to her because she knew it was God. You are a God who sees. You see, stupid starts small, stupid spreads. Stupid brings suffering and we need a savior. And what some of you need to know today is you're not stuck on stupid. You don't have to be stuck on stupid. What my recovery community needs to know, you don't have to be stuck on stupid. What you need to know is you don't have to be stuck with this sin. Many of you have played with it for years. It's just become part of your identity and you feel powerless. You feel like you're stuck with that sin and stuck on stupid. You need to know, see, in that the enemy says, God doesn't love you. He doesn't see you. He doesn't hear you. He doesn't care about you. In fact, he's disgusted by you. He doesn't hear your cries. He's not gonna help you. What you need to know, the gospel shows up clearly in Genesis 16. The good news shows up clearly. Hagar was an outcast. She was the victim, the outsider. 
And you need to know that you have a good shepherd that comes to you even when you're stuck on stupid, you're stuck in sin. You have a savior who sees you. Some of you need to know you have a savior who hears you. Do you know in my addiction, December 16th, the greatest prayer I could pray after 72 hours awake was, God help me. Do you know, having ruined my life, having blasphemed God, having hated God, he heard me when I said, God help me. He sees you. He hears you. He loves you. He cares about you. And the good shepherd has come to you and said, don't be stuck on stupid. But many of you say, how could God hear me? How could God see me? I've been so bad. In fact, some of you are thinking when you walked in the door today, I hope lightning doesn't come down. Anybody thought that when you walked into church? Pretty much all of us. Pretty much all of us at some point, if everyone else knew my, my stupid, man, God would, God would literally strike me down with lightning. Do you know why he saw, heard, loved, and cared for Hagar? Do you know why he saw, heard, and cares for you? You say, how could he do that? God's just, God's righteous. I know. That's why we celebrate communion. You see, God can delight in you because Jesus was despised. God can receive me and you because Jesus was rejected. God can see you because he turned his face away from the son. God can forgive you and me because Jesus was forsaken. And as he hung on that cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the answer is very clear. Jesus was forsaken so you could be forgiven. All sin has to be paid for. All, all sin is stupid. Stupid has to be paid for. And God made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be made sin so that you, Jesus took all of your sin on that cross so that by grace he might give you all of his righteousness. Do you know that today you can have all of your sin removed as far as the east is from the west, and you can receive all of the righteousness of Jesus Christ so the Father can continue seeing you, hearing you, loving you. We call it the gospel, and it is what we celebrate at the Lord's Supper. Jesus gave his life for you today. Don't be stuck on stupid. Quit playing with stupid. Make today that day of repentance where you give your stupid to Jesus. And say, would you, would, you, would you strengthen me to walk in wisdom? You see, he hears you, he sees you, and he'll answer that prayer. Let's take time to celebrate communion as Jim comes up. And let's take time just to repent. What stupid are you playing with? Stupid starts small, but let me guarantee you, friend, it's not small. It will swallow you up. Pick the seeds before they grow into giant weeds. Take that time now and let me pray as the band comes up. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you've provided a way for us to pass from death to life. Thank you that you didn't leave me trapped in my sin and stuck on stupid. Thank you for your son, the savior of the world. And Father, would you give me grace to stop stupid so that my light might shine in this world of darkness. And as you live in and through us, I pray you would draw more people into your kingdom for your glory. So I pray you're glorified now, even as we admit and confess and point out 
those small, stupid areas that we're playing with. Would you set us free now? In Jesus' name, amen.